Hello and welcome to the Arrow panel. I'm your stand-in host this week, uh, Dalton Runberg, aka Blue Chaos. I'm Roger Clark, at Roger Clark on Twitter. I'm Jeff Lloyd, Funga. And this week there's not a whole lot of new news, so we're just going to have a, a nice chat and answer a whole bunch of questions. We do have the small news that uh, Michigan round one opened. Oh yeah, true. There was a huge, uh, a huge gathering there. Really, really nice to and see. round one, Auburn Hills. Yeah, which unfortunately, apparently, there was some issues with the EMU's service. Yeah. Every um, round one has some problems when it opens. Yeah, and even the Dave & Buster's here, we had yeah. some issues with our, our router. So that's an issue sometimes. But hopefully it'll get fixed. Uh, but it was nice to see so many people coming out. Yeah, it's going to be great for the Ohio community, the, especially the northern Ohio community, who's they've had some great players for forever who basically have had no way to play DDR, and now they've got pretty close access. Two and a half hour drive. It's not too bad. Well, there's the other round one that's opening in, like, Cleveland area, yeah, right? Yeah, Mentor. Is yeah. that happening soon? Not sure. I think it's either late this year or early next year. So, I, I actually don't know my geography enough, but, like, so that that's better for, obviously, oh, for yeah. Ohio people. Yeah, definitely. So there's, but there's nothing close to Columbus, I guess, right? Like Mentor well, is still like know, two hours away. It's or still two hours away. Two okay. hours is better than what they've what they've got now, which is driving to Detroit, um, and that's like two hours to Cleveland, and then two and a half hours to Detroit. Oh so man! So it's so this or, new Michigan location is like kind of on the south end of Michigan. It's it's around Detroit, I think. Oh, oh. So okay. and it's it's pretty close to the border between oh, Michigan and Ohio. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So need to go back to fifth grade and learn, yeah. learn where our cities are now it actually matters because there's dance game yeah machines that's when that's we, how that you need to remember, be tracked remember your states and yes. the cities uh, exactly and then there's tangentially related we'll say to uh bimani but uh what was it it was ye- just yesterday right mm-hmm. porter robinson who's a music producer who's very famous very, he's very famous but he's said that he's been influenced a lot by DDR music and, and Bamani music uh, came out with a new song yesterday. Yeah, he's got a new project, Virtual Self, and the new song is Eon Break. And it's like pretty clearly inspired by what what seems to be mostly like Beatmania kind of style stuff. Uh, if you watch the video, it's basically like a 2DX background video. It is, it is yeah. the most 2DX-ass thing outside yeah, of 2DX. It's really cool. Um, just got a very dark sound. Still got the Porter... There's there's definitely like the Porter melody writing in there, um, and it's nice to see something really trancy from him, trancy and fast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, they also he he samples the two DX coin drop sound. Yeah, and there's like the Max three hundred like whoop is in the back, yeah. which is like midway through the song, which I just think is like I don't know as a music gamer, it's just like yeah, it's awesome. like nerdgasm for me. Yeah, it's just... and and then even in the music video, there's a lot of like words and stuff in the background that are reminiscent of those like early beatmania background videos that it just sort of sounds like nonsense like i think i think i said it sounds like somebody ran english into google translate like into japanese and then back to english um but there's there's a lot of references it seems to uh ddr songs and beatmania songs yeah there was egoism in there yeah was there really and yeah that's clearly not an accident no yeah. way are you yeah. serious well, be- yeah. because uh there's two other twitter accounts associated with it yeah um and one of those has the word i think the word egoism or like egoistic maybe like in in the description oh man so like it's pretty clearly yeah some easter eggs uh 
for Bomani stuff. It's very cool. It's it's great to see what basically amounts to support for this scene and this aesthetic from someone who's like popular in a in a broad pop culture sense. Yeah, I mean, may, you know, people who may not be exposed to you know DDR or as exposed or you know or 2DX especially. We'll see the song and listen to it in the video and like look in the comments and be like, "What are these people talking about?" Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, what's going to happen is that that video there, there's going to be a bunch of related stuff on YouTube. It's like <laughs> egoism four forty challenge, egoism four forty, or you know, max three hundred, paranoia survivor, stuff like that. So hopefully, that's how that works. Yeah, and people just get naturally like sucked in and just leave it on autoplay, and you just suddenly find yourself watching uh, strange DDR yeah. background animations and. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of charts for it in various games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wink, I wrote, wink. I, I wrote a chart for it already. <laughs> you got to get it out. I will uh, I will try to release it soon. Uh, the sync is a little weird, but... And it's like... Like, the end is like speed core, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> Someone called it speed quarter, and I thought that was fun. It's quite good. Um... So yeah, listen to that if you haven't already. Yeah. It's just a fun, like, tangentially related DDR thing. Well, but. it's just fun. Like, it, I don't know. I think it, it does speak to a lot of Bomani people, and it's fun to see something that is, like like you said, like, it's very, like, mainstream. Like, he's he is popular. Like, in yeah. the EDC worlds, like, in, like, he sells out shows. He's, he's a popular guy. To have someone like that, like, kind of advocating for us, in a sense, of, yeah. like, here's, like, niche... Like weird Bamani background video aesthetic, and everyone's like, "Whoa, I like this because I like Porter." And we're like, "Yeah, yeah. it's great." Like, let me tell you more about it. Yeah. So there, I just like that. That's like there's definitely some other stuff in there, like you know the general kind of like quasi existential stuff going around around in like games you might play, like Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Like the the virtual self logos, it looks a lot like the. Oh Final yeah, Fantasy it does. Yeah, yeah so you're right. There's, there's, there's. It's a mishmash of stuff, but clearly, yeah. mostly Bimani. Yeah. S- somebody, somebody called it reverse selling out. That he just made popular music and got super popular, just so that he, he could make like really esoteric, like, stuff. really niche Bimani stuff. That's fine with me. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Great. I mean, that's what you got to do. Is you, you basically like make a bunch of money doing <laughs> things that people like, and then, then you can do whatever you want later <laughs> yeah. on. I mean, that's basically the, the case with Shelter, too, was that he got really popular, and he's like, I'm going to make my own anime. Yeah, like, exactly. So Which is great. More power to him. Yeah. We should also talk about the upcoming San Jose Round 1 tournament on Saturday, November 11th, here uh, in the Bay Area. So if, if you're listening and you're in the Bay Area and you don't plan on coming for some reason, change your mind and come. <laughs> uh, and if you live somewhere close to us, or even not so close, just show up. Just just be there instead. Yeah, yeah uh, Evil Dave uh, is flying out from Texas. That's great. Um, to come. He apparently had to get rid of some vacation days, so... That'll mix things up. Yeah. Good, like good to get some fresh blood in, so... Yeah. I mean, it'd be really cool if we can organize, like, a uh, an even bigger... Like, these are mainly targeted at more local players, but it'd be cool if we could do a, a full, like, big national tournament. Yeah, something where we had a lot of notice yeah. and where we could promote it. For, like, a long time. Yeah. That's the thing is, like, we... It feels like the people at Irvine, Dave and Buster's Irvine, were, like, really trying to go in that direction. Like, yeah. really wanted to make it, like, a nationwide Dave and Buster's kind of thing. Uh, like, regional qualifiers and then flying you out somewhere. Um, I Maybe I should check up on that because I don't know what where they stand after the last tournament. But yeah, it's possible they want to do something big and they just need the, like, 
the impetus from the community to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, especially with chains like Round 1 and Dave & Buster's, like, it... It's more possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, back in the day, there was a uh, power station, was a chain of arcades, uh, at least here in California. I don't know about larger. But they, they had a tournament like that where you had to qualify at a power station location, and then, you know, the top people from each place got to go to the finals. Um, so, I mean, with big chains like Round 1 across the country and Dave and & Buster's, like, it, it sets itself up pretty well, so. Yeah, I just don't know what the infighting looks like between Dave and & Buster's managers and stuff. Like, some people probably love it, some people probably don't love it so much. So it's like, you know, how do you garner the support, like, from lots of separate Gotta locations? go all the way to the top. Maybe. I mean... Who's the guy that was on Reddit? Kevin Batches. Yeah. Um, who's, like, a big supporter of, like, the music game community. Um, but I don't, like... I mean, he probably wields some influence, but not, like, forcing people to run a tournament or something. Yeah. I mean, I think they'd still all be kind of community-run, but get Dave & Buster's or, you know, Round 1 on board with it. Yeah, if we could, like, just set up some kind of kit where we just give them the rules and the card draw application and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And just let them do it. That's kind of where, like, I'm trying to work on some of that stuff. Um, I already built the card draw app, and I want to kind of integrate that into more of, like, a tournament runner workflow so that you can basically just, like, give it to anyone with an internet connection, and they can just, like, follow the prompts and run a really successful tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, between that and challenge, like, tournaments are pretty easy to run now. Yeah, it's just, like, challenge gives you part of the way there of... Uh, like the, just the bracket generation, but you do need to understand like how you how people pick songs. Like what are the what are the various ways that you could let people pick songs? Yeah. Like either through a card draw or through pick pick random or something like that. So it's just like a lot of people just don't know how that works. I certainly didn't until I started trying to learn. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, and different locations are gonna want different things. Like some yeah, some communities still- are smaller and. Or just more, or more recently got machines than other places. So, like, expecting them to know all 800 songs for a card draw type tournament is probably asking too much. Um, but if you let them pick their favorite songs, maybe they enter. Yeah. So exactly. it's like there's a lot of nuances to, to running tournaments. Yeah. Which uh, segues nicely into I think we're going to hop into questions now. Uh, so, we had a question from uh, Brittany on Twitter, Astroferris. What have you guys been doing to prepare for the upcoming tournament, specifically the the round one tournament here? Um, but I think it it kind of presents a larger question of, of how do you prepare for tournaments in general? Like, what's the best way of going about that? I, I think you got to read the rules, read the rules of the tournament and see what it's optimized for. Like, what the finals are going to be like. Do you, do you expect, how far do you expect to get? How far does it seem like you could get based on the rules? If you can make it to the finals, what are the rules of the finals like? Um, what are the uh, like the level caps for songs? Like a lot of times in tournaments, there will be the first round will be you know elevens to fifteen, or the second round will be thirteen to sixteen, or something like that. And like the song, figure out the songs that you're most likely to play. And concentrate on that range because, especially with DDRA, there's so many songs now, and you got to have some kind of way of narrowing down what you're concentrating on. Uh, for me, when I'm practicing for tournaments, like my strength is Marvelous Attack on kind of 14s and below. So that's typically what I concentrate on just to kind of like get things 
just kind of get things solid. So do you think that that presents an interesting question? If that's what you're good at already, do you continue to focus on that or do you work on your weaknesses? Would you would you play 15s and up more to prepare for a tournament? Probably probably to some degree, but it, again, it also depends on the rules. Like am I likely to play that stuff? And for me, like I'm I'm likely to get to maybe top 8 and probably not the finals and so I'm I'm not going to concentrate on that stuff as much. But also, I feel like the time for stretching myself is time between tournaments and like rolling up to a tournament like a, a couple weeks before. I'm not going to make huge progress on like breaking into like 17s and 18s just like a couple weeks before the tournament. I'm what I need to do is like get the core stuff of like my skill intact. And it seems to work pretty well for me. Mhm. I think I want to really emphasize something that you said there, which is, like, reading the rules. I think that's such an underrated thing to do. Like, no one... Everyone just kind of assumes the rules are there, and no one reads them. And in years of running tournaments, people tend to complain about the rules the day of, which means that they just opened them up on their phone and are talking to me about them now, and they're like, this thing's wrong. I'm like, well, I posted them three months ago, so you had plenty of time to talk to me. That's beside the point. (laughs) Uh, Really, like... you can learn a lot just from the rules and figuring out how to optimize. Like, you only have a limited amount of time to practice. And so, and this goes beyond, like, normal tournaments and just in general. Like, if you want to, like, you want to figure out how to make the most effective time at the arcade when you're going. Um, but especially for a tournament, if you see that the level cap is, like, there's there's going to be no 18s or 19s until the finals. Maybe that's the case. If you don't think you're going to get to the finals, don't practice the 18s and 19s. Like, practice something that it, like you think you can feasibly get to and also like look at the distributions of songs like if there there are way more 13s than there are 14s and there way and there are more 14s than there are 15s i think That's no there's more 15s there's, are 14s. there more 15s okay well there's more 16s than there are 17s you know so like if you're if there isn't some sort of weighted distribution which you'll find out by reading in the rules <laughs> uh then you can see okay like a 13 is three times as likely to show up as a 17 so even if you th- even if those are within the level bounds, you're better off practicing 13s than you are the 17s. Exactly. So like yeah, it's like those small optimizations. Like it's not just about raw skill. That's one thing that I love about DDR is it's very easy to just kind of gloss over and say like oh it's all about execution. It's like a PVE game. Like all you have to do is get the best score you can. It doesn't really matter what your opponent's doing. Your opponent can't mind game you like, during the song or anything. Like, you're both just trying your best. So it seems like it's just an execution game, but there are so many ways that strategy plays into it, and this is from reading the rules and figuring out how to optimize your time, or, uh, you know, figuring out how to veto properly uh, in a card draw tournament, or um, any number of things, like using a turn mod, for example. So it's it, the strategy actually is pretty deep. Not as deep as something like fighting games, but, yeah, like, use those... Like, there's a lot of information out there and it's a lot of times up to you to sort of digest it and figure out what's optimal for you in that like in a given situation. So one thing that I run into with tournaments and stuff is that you know, especially with card draws, that you know I still haven't played all 800 charts in the game. So I'll get stuff in my card draw that I'm like I have no idea what that song is. So like, what do you think the best way to sort of fill in those gaps in your knowledge is in a short period of time yeah 
Like, you, like I mean, Roger was saying earlier, you know, he's going to focus on 13s and 14s, whereas I'm kind of of the opinion that I would try and go through and play gimmicky stuff, you know, things with BPM changes yeah. that I normally avoid. You know, I would try and fill in my, you know, gaps of knowledge there by playing th- those songs. And, you know, I, of course I can't play all of them, um, yeah. but the worst offenders, air quotes. Yeah. I think, I think both strategies are good. It's actually... Roger's strategy, I would consider more of a, um, like a low risk, low reward, whereas playing stuff you're bad at to in preparation is more of a high risk, high reward. So if Roger's playing 14s, which is already his sweet spot, and he's already pretty good at MA, then practicing that more means it's very, it's going to become more unlikely that he will mess up in earlier rounds and probably get to that top eight that he was shooting for, but he'll probably get owned once he gets there. Yeah. If you're shoring up your weaknesses, then there's a chance that the song you are normally pretty good at is one that someone will take from you because uh, you haven't played it in a while because you're playing a bunch of other stuff. So you could get knocked out very mm-hmm. early on. and But the, the high risk side of that is that if you do make it far on the songs that you kind of know and the songs you were already good at, and then you get to top eight, and then you have to play a 17 that you just practiced yesterday then you're going to, like, you might actually win. Mm-hmm. And so you're, that that's, it's basically a strategy of, like, if you want to solidify top eight, if, like, that's what you're shooting for and that's your goal, then go for the low-risk strategy. If you kind of want to, like, gamble and risk it all and see how far, how high up you can place, top four, top two, whatever, um, then you go for, you short, you shore up your weaknesses instead. Um, eventually, I think shoring up your weaknesses is, is better because, um there's only so you, you can only get so good at certain songs like a 13 yeah i mean that was yeah. kind of, that's kind of my point is that you know if i had two or three weeks to prepare for a tournament and i spent it playing the same you know 13s and 14s and 15s that i have like i'm going to make incre- like very small yeah. improvements on those that may or may not matter in a tournament but a player who's much you know who, who's worse than me you know if we get a song I don't know. What's something with... Happy Lucky EP. Yeah, okay. I haven't played that in a year. So if anybody... If that comes up against me, somebody pick that. <laughs> you know, something like that. Like, I, I wouldn't... Like... Like, like so if, if I spend the time to learn that song, I have a much better chance yeah, you, of beating somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's, how, that's true for whatever you do. You're always going to make more progress on things you suck at. Yeah, so I, personally, I think that's a better strategy yeah. is to try and learn those things because it, you know if i if somebody who's worse than me knows that song you know they're just gonna they, they, they could yeah. still beat me just on the fact of like i mean with ex score maybe not but you know just on the fact that they know the stops and slowdowns and yeah, stuff exactly yeah so i, I mean, think it also comes down to just the general advice of playing every song is always the way to go mm-hmm. you know you you really do want to be playing everything um especially for a tournament that is card draw yeah yeah i mean it's uh it's still like I think there's some level of personal preference in there. Like it's not it's not to say that you have to play everything necessarily. Sometimes just learning the chart like on Step Mania is good enough. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking about practicing, if you like have a certain practice regimen or you can't ramp up to 15s or 16s that quickly, like when you're at the arcade or there's a lot of other people there, you can't get warm. Um, then cool, play the 12s that you're more comfortable with, but make sure you go home and watch charts of the 15s and 16s that are hard. It's sometimes a little bit hard to know which ones to look out for. Um, in that case, 
You could talk to someone like me or Roger or Dalton, would probably give you some recommendations. If you look on a tier list of difficulties, generally the ones that are higher up on the tier list are more gimmicky than the ones towards the bottom. So if you're like wondering what 16s are hard, look at the 16.9s and then the 16.8s and then the 16.7s. Um, that's like a general rule. Yeah. Um, there's also like, if you're going through the song list and a song makes you... Like, the, if the impulse that you get when you go over a song is, I don't want to play this, that's the thing that you should probably be doing. Yeah, which is what I've, I've been trying to do lately. Yeah, if you feel like, ugh, like yeah. I'm, I'm going to the next song immediately. No, stop, press the button. Just play it. Because that's, it's it's such a funny thing to mention, but it's so true. Because, like, tournaments are not about, like, fun in, in, a, in, a, in a very specific sense. Like, you get, you're supposed to have fun when you're doing anything, like, especially like a tournament. But, like, a lot of times matches aren't won on fun songs that everyone knows and likes. Yeah. So many times tournament songs are, like, London Evolved version C. And you're <laughs> like, wait, which one is that? And you have to, like, rack your brain or look at a note or you have no score and you have no idea how it's different than A or B, which you have played. Whatever. Like, the person who actually knows that, the person who's done their research, is probably going to win. And so it's just, like, you you sort of have to play to the unfun side of things, like you were saying, of yeah. picking a song you don't want to, because in a random tournament, like, if everything's being randomed with equal probability, it doesn't matter if the 14 that you get randomed is the pop one that everyone loves, <laughs> Ayakashi Kakushi, hello, or if it's London Evolved version A expert. Like, you're just like, I don't, like, one I really love and one I never want to ever play ever again. Yeah. I mean, this kind of plays into uh, Justin Berkowitz's question as well. As he's asking, should you focus on specific songs or kind of play bre- the breadth of things? Which I think Jeff has yeah, uh, Jeff's ad- addressed about a couple times before. Times. Play everything, play everything, play everything. There, I've done the next three episodes. We're good on that question. I mean, my response to, to Justin's question is like, I have some scores that are really good. And they make me feel good because I have some really good scores. And I wouldn't have gotten a lot of them if I didn't just sit there and play the same song ten times in a row. And I feel like the way that I learn is I just kind of have to drill stuff into my head a lot of times until I get it. And that's just what happens for me. So if that's what it takes to get an amazing score, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a balance that, you know... if you go to the arcade with two or three songs that you want to get good scores on that day and you go and, you know, you play those a couple times, then cool. Like play a whole set of one song and then play another set, you know, once you got that score and then go play, you know, new stuff that you haven't played before. And then you go, oh, I want to, you know, PFC the 16 and you play a set or two of that, you know. So I think as long as you switch it up. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to get frustrated and like, you know, angry and, and you know. You're just not having any more fun at that point. I get I get into a sort of like zen mode if I if I keep doing the same thing over and over again. There's just like something that happens where I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm just doing this over and over again, and it's and it's you know that's the way it is. You know, if I'm playing the same song over and over trying to get a score, it's got to be a song that's actually hard. Like I'm not gonna play something that's totally straightforward and easy to do a million times in a row because it's. That's not going to teach me anything. If I'm going to play the something in, uh, a lot of times over and over again, 
it's got to be teaching me something every single time I'm playing it. Like something with really weird sync or like weird crossovers or or something going on. Yeah, I think the best example of like getting a, a good score after playing something a bunch for me was when I was trying to PFC um, on the bounce challenge as a 16, which is one of the easier 16s, but there's a couple like ambiguous steps, kind of awkward in some places. So, I mean, I kept messing up. I kept getting a great here, there, great there. Um, but I had, I typically had a relatively low um, perfect count. And, but the song's also really early. So, I mean, I, I played it probably five times in a row. And so I had that sinking down, even though I was getting grades a couple times. And so then when I finally did PFC it, and I, I was in this like Zen state that you were talking about because I had no idea how many perfects I got because I was just like so focused or so unfocused. I don't know what was happening, but I got six perfects on it. I got seven. Seven perfects on it. Which yeah. I, I just remember that because I had nine on it at the time. And I was like, <laughs> damn, Dalton. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think about that score of yours all the time, and I'm like, why, why can't I get that on, on the bounce? Dude, honestly, know? I probably couldn't get it again. Um, it was just one of those situations where I was just playing things over and over. So I want to mention two things about that. The first thing is saying that you can't do that again, and that's why I don't play songs over and over again. Typically, because you can get that really, really good score, but then you can't do it again. Yeah. and you Or you, like... Forget about it because you have that good score, and so you never feel the need to go back to it. And I can see that. So like, I just it's like, I just all the red flags, warning signs could just go <laughs> off in my head. Like, it's so easy to fall into a trap of playing the same song over and over again. The second thing is very related to what you were saying earlier, Dalton, about um, like making incremental improvement versus making large improvements elsewhere. And so if you play lots of different songs. You're ten, you tend to make large improvements across all the songs. You may not have the god-tier score that someone who's played the same, who used those 20 songs to play one song would have, but I bet you that if you play 20 different songs and then go back to that first song that you wanted to play a ton of times, but then you thought, Jeff will be mad at me if I say this, <laughs> you might even do better on it then because you've learned something new from different songs and teaching you different things. So... That is not to say that I haven't played songs over and over again. Yeah. I definitely have. But it's like, especially when you're starting to get good or starting or like trying to get good, being deliberate with your practice. I just think there's so many better ways you can spend your time than playing the same song over yeah, and over you don't, again. You don't want to make this the default way you play. Yeah. yeah. It needs and, to be for special things. Yeah. Like I said, there's a balance and, you know, you, you have to have goal, like a specific goal in mind and that goal shouldn't be you know, all I'm doing today is these 10 songs. Um, just try and switch it up. I mean, 10 songs is pretty good. I mean, that's actually, to be fair, yeah, that's a lot. For I see day. a lot of people play a lot fewer than 10 songs yeah. per, per day. So what do you mean a lot fewer than 10 songs per day? Like some people, like I've seen them very, like very focused on just like two or three songs. I see. And by, I mean, yes, you're playing more than uh, 10 unique songs, I should say. Not, gotcha. Gotcha. Not sets, but you know. Yeah. It's just, it can be very uh, tempting to like take the thing you're good at and be slightly better at it because mm. there's no real failure there, right? Like, yeah. if you play the same song over and over and over again, then you're probably already pretty good at it. And like, you could just stop, you could stop it pretty good. And Roger's <laughs> like smiling strangely now. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that, like, no, I, I, I understand. 
I mean, it's making me think. I mean, I think it, it matters, and as you said, it matters what level of play you're at. Yeah. Um, that especially if you're kind of an up-and-coming player and, you know, you're still trying to increase broadly in your skill, that playing one song over and over again is not a good way to go. Yeah. E- like, even if you're trying to get your first PFC or your first full combo or whatever, playing that same song over and over again isn't going to help you as much as playing a bunch of new stuff. And then you maybe along the way you'll get your first full combo yeah. or your first PFC. That's the, like that's what I always come back to. Like it's you, you learn like you you never have to wait for your first PFC. You never really have to try for it. Like or first PFC, first full combo, whatever your first X, whatever you want X to be. Like it will happen if you just play enough songs and play enough. You don't like I, I see a lot of people who get fixated like I don't oh I don't have a PFC. I want to keep playing this song until I get it or an MFC or something. And yes. You could eventually do that. But if you just, like... Wouldn't you rather be good at five songs rather than one song? Or 20 songs. Or 20 songs. Or any, songs. Like, anything's better than one. Yeah. You just have to not not go to the arcade. And then you're you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah. So... I think that sufficiently answers the question. Yeah. Everyone everyone does things differently. Do we have another question, Roger? Yeah, we got a, we got a lot. Uh, Jess asks, Would any of us ever consider cosplaying a DDR character for Halloween? I've never done that, but although when we were at KAC last year... Oh, yeah, year, there was a uni. Yeah. Uh, Did a very good uni. Yeah, this girl, Silver, cosplayed as uni from DDR. I think it'd be awesome to cosplay as, uh, what's his name, Robozukin? Robozukin, <laughs> big crazy that, cosplay. That would be a good Devil one. Zukin would be pretty good for Halloween. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, like, it, it's it's general enough that, like, people don't have to understand DDR to get it. You just be, oh, you're just a robot. Yeah. Whereas, like... I'm rage. <laughs> yeah, with freeze arrows on his pants. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> those freeze arrow pants are pretty cool. They're pretty sweet. I do love the freeze arrow pants. If anyone wants to sell me some freeze arrow pants, I'm totally down. <laughs> Kickstarter, I don't care. Uh, I would, I, I would never dress up as a TDR character. I don't think. I don't, I don't feel particularly strongly about any of the male TDR characters. Yeah, same here. But uh, like, if I saw an Emmy like walking down the street. I'd like, I'd have to marry her right then. Like, oh my god. Uh, one of our friends uh, was talking about that she's inspired by all the ridiculous uh, sexy X costumes, sexy potato, sexy mustard bottle, whatever. Oh, sure. Uh, she wants to be um, sexy DDR pad and use, use like a, a, a DDR soft pad as like a dress and uh, her name would be Pad Miss. Miss Pad. <laughs> We've got some other questions. Uh, Sylvain Haunter asks, here's a fun one, what are your all-time favorite charts for each of us? Oh, God. That's, I mean, I don't know if I can really say I have a favorite anything, but I can tell you some some charts that I think are, like, just, like, absolutely epic and can't be. You, you go. You go. I'm, I'm thinking about PSMO, it. PSMO, you can't really go oh. Paranoid Survivor Max Challenge. Oh, my God. It's just an iconic chart. I like Paranoid Survivor. I, I the love original, that too. honestly. Yeah. Um, you both are disappointing me right now. I, they're not like, I don't know, it's more nostalgic for me, I guess. I don't know if it's like my favorite ever. Uh, Shiny World Double, though. Um, really good. Honestly, anytime I play Double, like, I have to play that. Um, it's very good. And not DDR related. Uh, there's an in group custom called Cross Time. Oh, Cross Time. I was like hoping you were going to say Cross Time. McGravel's <laughs> Cross M- Time. McGravel's. Cross time. Sorry, Omid. Not Omid's. Um, it's just such a good chart, and it's just always fun. Um, I don't know. What are some more 
We're just like all you're giving us shit. What's your all favorite all time DDR charts? Like one that comes to like I'm trying to think of like when I step up to a machine like what's hard to not pick like synchronized love from extreme well, yeah, from it's really like four fun. plus just like that chart is just the song is just nonstop fun oh I just can't get enough of it fantasy the fantasy is really good Melissa oh stay I wouldn't say the fantasy or stay are near my favorites but I think that has to do more with the song than the chart necessarily like I'm in the mood for dancing oh, man. leading cyber. No! What? No. <laughs> it's so good. You can do good spin around. It's got the digital storm part. You, you're, 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 you're doing all the weird crossovers. Yeah, you know the digital storm part. Everyone knows the digital storm part. <laughs> you that, know it. That's the episode title, guys. Oh, man. Like, I'm trying to think recently. Like, I think I gave my answer as Como Princess at some point. Like, my favorite song and chart combination. I don't know if that's... It hasn't held up as much as I... I'm looking through the song list. See, that's the thing, is that, like, it always changes. Yeah. I go through, like, phases of, like, really liking... Yeah, that's why I I said PSMO, just because it's, like, it's just an iconic thing that doesn't really have to do with my whims at the moment. Like, when I go to... When I go play DDR right now, like, the stuff that I'm playing is, like, I really like Tokyo Evolved. And like everyone hates that, I but it's like it's it just feels so weird. I I, I really like that. <laughs> so uh, sorry, probably the best answer I can give is da 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 challenge. That's probably my favorite chart right now. Though uh, Himawari Sunset is quickly becoming one of my favorite charts, um, partially because the song is just amazing, and it reminds me very much of Angelus, which is also one of my favorite charts that's ever been in DDR. But I don't I don't know. I see. I always liked. And it's really not great, but for some reason I was always drawn to it. Is Trip Machine Survivor? I I like it. It it actually is. I think it's better than it was a long time ago. It's so technical. It just feels like I never felt great playing it on extreme, but I I have one on it or I MFC. I think I MFC'd it. I don't remember. I don't remember what I MFC'd anymore. I mean, a lot of the extreme era stuff, like. The stuff that was on Extreme, not necessarily from Extreme, like, yeah. I think sticks with me more than a lot of the newer stuff, just because of nostalgia reasons, like Vanity Angel, like... Kind Lady's really fucking good. Xenon. Xenon's really good. Xenon was actually way ahead of its time. Yeah, Xenon, yeah. like, it's... How did that chart not have any mistakes? Yeah, that's it's, what I was gonna say. It's, it's basically... Amazing. Yeah, a mistake, like, honestly, like, Vanity Angel has, has a mistake. mistake in it. Lamore has a mistake. Anything that was technical back in the day had mistakes. Xenon has none. It's crazy. It's a flawless chart. Oh my god. You just think like one of those 16ths would be either a 16th early or late. <laughs> you just that's you have to assume that. There actually is that one. Well, no, it fits with the music. I think yeah, there's that one like lonely down arrow 16th. But I think it goes with the music. Yeah, Xenon's great. Yeah, Xenon's amazing. Yeah, it's a hard question. There's so many good ones and I think it does it speaks to your point of like or your point, whatever, I'm pointing at you, you together, that things can change over time. And, like, what's fun right now, you might have a great time with it for a year, and then you come back to something, you find something new. Like, that's what's, that's what's cool about DDR, especially when you're starting out, at least for me, was, like, the discovery part. Like, figuring out what charts are good, not wanting to, like, look at charts online beforehand or something, just, like, playing them myself. Because I think it, uh, like, especially that first time you play a song and how it makes you feel, like, if you have that emotional reaction tying into, like, your sight read... It can make it more memorable, which I like. What else we got? Other questions. Okay, so we got a, a question from Miles, a local San Jose player, uh, who asks, What are some ways you deal with people fanning over you? I have other players ask me for advice on picking songs for my set, 
But they also pop off after I finish the song, whether I met my goal or not. And uh, I don't know a polite way to say, uh, please leave me alone when I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I can relate to this a lot. Because on the one hand, it's like kind of nice to have people notice you at the arcade. Um, or, you know, you have randoms come up and they're just like, oh, well, like, if they're actually interested, it's actually kind of cool. They're like, whoa, you're really good at this game. Like, how long have you been playing? You know, they kind of get into it. Um, those are always nice. Um, but I do feel like one of the, one of the things that frustrates me, which is not obvious from the outset is like, if I'm like to an outsider, I'm playing a song and it looks like I'm doing really well, but if I'm not actually meeting my own goal, then I get super frustrated and you know, they're popping off as Miles says, like they're really excited because it looks like I just did something really crazy. Um, and I don't really like, I sort of had to just like, you know, nod and be like, thank you, you know? But then um, you're like, oh, that was such a bad score. Yeah, it's just, or like, if I'm really trying to get in the zone, like, as like it's it it's just hard when I'm trying to be in that mindset, and like I just don't want anyone around me. Um, but having people who are like, it's 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 easier when they're like random people that are like making fun of you and stuff, and you just like ignore you them. can just ignore them and carry on with your life. But when they're actually kind of interested and engaged, it's like oh, I don't want to like I don't want to tell you to like go somewhere else, but like. Could you? <laughs> so I don't have a great answer, um, but I do like I sympathize a lot. Like it's, I think at that like in, in points like those, at least how I try to think of it is like if they are kind of semi engaged, then like try to like forget about the things that are stressing you out about whatever score you're trying to get or your actual goal like right then and there, and try to like keep them engaged because they'll probably derive a lot more enjoyment out of it that way, and like might even get interested in the game or like. They'll have a positive experience with the game, like, just by watching you. I always hate when I'm playing, like, a 13 or a 14 or something, and people are like, whoa, that was quite crazy! And I'm like, hold up, I'll play a hard song. And I pick, like, an 18, and then everybody walks away. Yeah. I don't know. There's, like, no... There's no great answer, because, like, you're always gonna... Like, the problem of DDR being in arcades is that you do have people that are there for very different reasons. It's not something private you do in your house, like, you know, a computer game where you can decide to, like, have a fun night with friends and you invite everyone over versus, like, oh, this is serious time and I'm trying to rank up or something. Yeah, like, it, it's a... People see it as just, like, a performance. Like, yeah. they, I think a lot of people don't realize how seriously you take the game. Like, the people that get up on the pad, like, while you're playing or whatever, or, like, scream and shout behind you as you're trying to focus. Like, the average person really doesn't realize that, like, I'm very engaged in this i am like trying to do something here they think oh i'm just playing the game for fun and it, it's very hard to like kind of address those people yeah without being rude yeah and sometimes like i think a lot of you got to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt whenever you can like sometimes when you're screaming when someone's screaming next to the ddr machine like they don't really know that, that like they're there to have fun and they're there to like there's already a loud environment it's hard to, I think, like, if I didn't play DDR at all or, like, it was involved in competitive gaming, I'd probably just think, like, why do they care? Like, yeah, it's not, like, Especially, am I really am I really causing you that much grief? Like, yes, but, like, it's it's easy to just be like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was being loud. I was just excited about what I was doing. Especially at a, at a place like Dave & Buster's or something where basically it's a club. You know, on, on Saturday night, you go to Dave & Buster's and there's a DJ there. And why is there a DJ there? There's a zillion there? people walking around with drunk and stuff and it's like... Can you honestly expect to play without something like that happening? Um, my my attitude around people like 
you know, talking to you as like, you know, talking as if they're fans and, you know, doing things like that. Like just my plan is just be nice across the board and like whatever they have to say, I try to listen and I just, I just engage with them. I feel like I've never really had a situation where they've talked to me so much that it's actually caused me any problems and maybe you guys have, but to me it's like maybe I'm slightly annoyed that I don't get to pick my song quite as quickly as I would have otherwise, but like really what you're doing by engaging with them is, you know, having positive interactions with other human beings and also making them like going to the arcade more, yeah. which for me, I, I, I try to approach all my interactions with DDR players who aren't as good as me in a way where I'm like trying to advocate for them hanging out and like getting better and stuff like that. Yeah. I think Miles was more asking rather than like random people. I th- he was asking, speci- you know, he specifically said advice, you know, other players ask me for advice while I'm picking. Oh song. yeah. That too. I mean, like if they're other players and you know them, you can just be like, Hey, like I'm just trying to focus on my set right now. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Yeah. And that people, I mean, if they, if they're players who care enough about song suggestions, like they should understand like, Hey, I'm, I'm in the zone right now. Like, yeah. You know, hey, you know, next time we're both between sets, you know, in line or whatever, we can talk then. Like, right now, I'm just trying to focus on my thing. Yeah. Also, Uh, if you give them a response, then chances are they won't keep asking you all night. Yeah. And you can kind of slide into more of a, uh, kind of more of a silent kind of (laughs) mode as the night goes on. Just, like, get, you know, talk to people as if you care about what they're saying, and then get serious. And then they'll, they'll see that, and then they'll stop talking. A very underrated suggestion is bring a book to the arcade if you don't want people talking to you. No one interrupts me when I have a book. It's great. But if I'm on my phone, people ask me too many questions. Um, I don't actually mind all the questions. It's just, uh, I've noticed, like, if I, like, I'm actually trying to shut out people. Yeah. Like, it, especially it, in the it, it really depends what mindset you're in. Yeah. So, I, I can understand. It's it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. Um, but, again, kill them with kindness, I think, and... Use it as an opportunity. If someone's looking up to you enough to ask for song suggestions or something, that means you're probably pretty good. Yeah. And people want to learn from you. And that, as a community, you know, as you get higher and higher up in the community, people look to you for advice and for guidance, and they want to be good like you. So give them the tools, um, because you were probably given some of those tools leading up to being good. Tell them to listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's true, too. They want song suggestions. We got a set of the week for them every week. Yeah, be, be our street team for us. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of set of the week... Ooh, this was a great segue. Yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> uh, what do we got this week? You want to kick us off, Roger? Yeah. So this week is Halloween week. It's spoopy week. Yeah, and we're, we're going for a spooky theme here. Um, so my choice is Electronic Retreat, the Expert 14. And it's... It's it's a pretty rough chart. I would I would 14. say Yeah, I mean I think it is a 14. I, I disagree. Well, I mean I think it's like it's definitely on the border if if it if yeah. it's not a 15 or yeah. whatever. Um it's got some some weird sync and some really tricky parts. So just play that. I I but I think it's one of those songs that like after you master it it's like really fun. It feels pretty good. Yeah. Like it, if you nail it like you're like damn, that was good. So, I mean, I even need to play it more. So that's a good choice. What about you, Jeff? So Dalton's giving me the the death glare right now, because my song doesn't have a spooky title, 
but it feels foogy to me. Uh, Imano Guilt by Mystic Moon, which is a pawn alias. Apparently. Oh, uh, Mystic Moon. There you go. What? M- Mystic Moon is spooky. That is okay. Is moon- I think I think that things that are guilty are just as spooky as moons. <laughs> but well, uh, I don't know. Mono Guilt's just kind of like this is it's a sort of the sequel to Amalgamation. It feels like. And that's another kind of, like, song that just made me feel kind of scared. I, and I always Guilt's, get them mixed up, honestly. Oh, the Guilt is the fast one, 185, or 184. Um, it's got an Expert 14, a Challenge 15, and other difficulties that you should feel free to play as well. Um, I don't know, it's just kind of like, it gets me hype, but also kind of scared. <laughs> and I think that's, that's kind of how I like to feel around Halloween. Um, really cool stops. I think it has, like, one of my favorite, uh, like, the sort of stop gimmick of, you know, every, like, eighth note or so. It's just, like, stopping. Um, jumps, yeah, jump, and they basically jump. basically jumps on those. Um, very like smooch the challenge chart, um, yeah, or the expert chart actually. Um, so and it's like, like very technical. Um, got a lot of cool rhythms in there and crossovers and stuff. So that's another one that actually that uh, the ending section is pretty hard, but when you nail it, like it feels good. Yeah, I I it's just it feels very climactic at the end yeah. too. Like it's just it it has a cool build up. Uh, one of my favorite charts uh, from. The later uh, DDR era. There we go. Um, I was going to go with Paranoia Hades, but I don't want to be mean. Uh, so we're going to go with something a little bit easier. So we have a, a wider spectrum here. Uh, we'll go with uh, Scarlet Moon, which is like a Toho 12. It's uh, so what, what, 2014? I think are all three of our songs from 2014 this this time. <laughs> it might be. Easy to find. Easy all- to find. Also, it's just, just like 110 songs in the 2014 folder, so it's hard to... Hard to avoid this problem. Yeah. But uh, Scarlet Moon, um, it's by Red Alice. It's it's a good song. It's got a, a spooky background, too. It's a cool, cool background video. Uh, it's a fairly straightforward 12, but I think it's, it's fun. fun. It's fun, yeah. You um, have it MFC'd, right? I do. Ooh. Oh. Roger doesn't even have to play this week. <laughs> well, I'll play it anyway. Or you do it again. Do it on different. Well, we'll see. We'll go back to you. Pro- how many times <laughs> you play Scarlet Moon? I... Actually, the day I got it, I think I only played it one time. Oh, nice. Okay. There we go. I want to see what you can do. You're, like, your first try after a couple months of not playing it. I want to see what you get. Yeah, okay. So I, I get that consistency. I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, spread there. So we got Scarlet Moon. It's a 12 on Expert. Or again, you can play whatever difficulty you want. Uh, Electronic Retreat. 14. And Amon If you want to do Amon Guilt's Challenge, I, th- I think both of them are fun. Um, the challenge is a little bit more fun. They're they're actually pretty similar in difficulty the fourteen and fifteen for Amano Guilds. The the fifteen is like the fourteen, but with forty more arrows. Yeah, yeah, and which more, is, and more crossovers. And they're good. There's some good arrows right there. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, quality forty arrows. Quality forty. Um, all right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for the week. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and soundcloud and google play <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah. subscribe to the podcast on apple music or whatever the hell it is <laughs> this is getting really un- unwieldy like like favorite and subscribe yeah um but yes we had somebody ask us to put it up on google play um so it should show up there um and yeah if, if you don't do if you don't like podcasts you can just listen to it directly on soundcloud i usually have the download feature uh enabled so you can get it there Remember to send us your taps, your tap set of the week scores. Hashtag tap set of the week. Yeah, it's been yeah. really fun to see what everyone's oh, been doing. We, oh, gotta, yeah. we have to hash. We have to shout out people. Before yeah, we end. there we go. Before we go, we should yeah shout out people. That's what we forgot. 
Oh man, someone else is gonna have to bring it up first. I got, I, it. I got, it. I got three percent left on my phone, but we got this. Okay, we got this. All right, we got speed round. Uh, uh again, soup P. Ooh, tw- oh, 20 minutes ago. Nice. Just right, right on the buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. There, border bonus. So this oh is after playing 18s. So uh, a little bit of a tired set, but still did well. Hopeless uh, Champa from Fresno played as well. Got uh, Telperion played on doubles as always. As always. And uh, said Silver Platform's gimmick is cute, but uh, Setsuna Trips is not, which I disagree. Disagree. Setsuna Trips is wonderful on double. It's very good. Uh, Clarence Cobwebs, Pika Boy, um, Brittany Astroferis, as we said earlier, um, and Jeff Slejanowski. Again, two weeks in a row, I believe. Uh, he, I think he's been doing it every week. Doing it every week. Wow. And uh, yeah, so send us your scores. Um, you can play them on any difficulty you want. You don't like our recommendations are usually for like expert or challenge, but uh, they're great songs, so just play them on whatever you like. And uh, yeah, remember to like follow us on social media. You can ask us questions pretty much anytime. You don't have to wait till Thursday or whatever to ask us questions. If you yeah, we're we're gonna be looking the whole time. Yeah, so like we just kind of round up things the day of and try to figure out what's uh, what what's good to talk about on the show. If you have any suggestions on things you want us to talk about just in general, you don't kind of have a question, but you have, like, a theme. Yeah, give us show ideas. Yeah, we're, uh, we, we have lots of things we can talk about, but we always, like, this show is, a lot of it is about the community, so we want to um, know what you guys want out of uh, this show as well. I want to hear about it. Well, and Jeff needs to go play Super Mario Odyssey. I do, I just, <laughs> I got Super Mario Odyssey a day early, so... The character Super Mario was once featured in a video game called Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix. It's a great game. I have it if you want to play That's it. where the character came from, I believe. Yeah, I think it's crossed <laughs> over into Nintendo's universe at that point. Yeah, so good job on everyone who was involved with making that game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it. Uh, and this has been the Arrow Panel. Thanks for listening, and thank, thank you, you for, for playing. playing.